We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Hey, idiots. Welcome to We Say Things, episode 210. A Suns fan here with Cinderin, who's also an idiot. Yes. How are you doing? I'm good. Why why are we insulting the audience? Is that because it's a special know. episode or something? It is a special episode. We have nothing to talk about. And that is because you guys are idiots, apparently. Yeah, nothing happened. That means we're all collective idiots for oh, nothing to happen everybody. in the last week. Yes. Yes, myself included, right. in case you missed that. You know who are the biggest idiots, though, is our in Bruges team. Yeah, they're morons. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, I'll start from the top. I I feel like you've been doing the first half for the last 10 episodes. So I want to do the first half. Okay, next 10 Scarf episodes best on you. Terrorblade NA, No Pain, No Gain, Ed the Shed, and Hugo the Ho. Zarzar is Ben Broomhead. Hmm. The Shazcast, Wife Hates My Belch. Mr. I Love the NBA segment is Jimmy Butler, the Jenkins of the NBA. You can answer that question. Yes, he, he changes his. So he he goes for like you know every every year they have like a media day where all mm. the players are taking pictures and shit every year, uh, and it's the pictures they use throughout the whole year, right? They don't update them. So even mm. if you get traded in your in your old jersey, they still use it most of the time. He has done yeah. some crazy hairdos that he has just for media day. That makes him look ridiculous, and then you get to see that the whole year. It's awesome. Nice. Monkey Man asks, "What do you want in exchange for a selfie with me at TI? My firstborn, perhaps." Pepper balls, T coil, Rupus, Q Lutz is ready to praise the podcast. Stupid Copilot, D2 Bowie, Lab Dota, and Yatoro does it again, Sindarin. And thank you to Magdev. Hats off to Val for the recent updates. Next up, marketing question mark. Games are falling asleep. We'll see you in Seattle. Disco Farm D, The Mega Pope, Zan Xavier, Nate Thicko Zero One Hamscroats, Shark TM, Janie, Dop, nothing to see here. Underscore Man, Eve Remort. Ben Broomhead cannot comprehend why Doom keeps getting nerfed with such a low win rate. Anonymous and an albatrosses and albatrosses. That's it, Niebling, you're out. An albatross can fly up to a whopping 600 miles in a single day, Mr. Niebling. That's that's pretty impressive. 600 miles is uh, that's quite far. That's actually pretty crazy. I mean, they're, they're probably gliding most of the time, I would think, right? But, How far can you fly in a day? Uh, vertically or horizontally? <laughs> Why is that a question? No idea. Are you just going to jump? That's <laughs> right. Uh, all right. So, Cinderin, you recommend PC games. Oh, yes. I do. And we've got some good ones today. So, first of all, it's been really cool to see the feedback that uh, the feedback that I got in the comments. It seems like a decent amount of people are, are happy to, with the recommendation. So, that's cool. Uh, and I have a couple more still to go. So today, drum roll, we have two games that Shannon has actually played. Would you look at that? Wow. Do you want to guess one of them? Artifact. That information. Incorrect. It's, okay. uh, uh, there's yeah. no free-to-play games. Can I look on my Steam? Sure. Okay. Let's see here. Okay, I opened my friends I list by accident. I really like both games as well, so you would recommend them too. So we're going to have a, a double dip today. All right. I will say Slay the Spire. That is correct. So let's do that one first. Okay. So the first game I'm going to recommend today is called Slay the Spire. Uh, this is not a game for everybody, I would say. I mean, none of the ones we recommend are, but 
This is a little bit of a special game. Um, it is a deck building game, and what that means is you um, essentially. Okay, let me just give the rest of the information. It's a deck building game with there's a lot of cool interactions in the game, and there's some interesting challenges, and the way you improve uh, is very rewarding. So essentially. A deck building game is a game where you start out with very little and then over time you improve, uh, you get better and better options and better and better cards to overcome challenges and you get better understanding of how to play your hand. Um, the way this is played is that you are a character that is beating enemies in the game and your character has abilities that are tied to cards. So you... Um, yeah, you draw from the deck. There's tons of different interactions, tons of different ways to play, tons, uh, not tons of different characters, but multiple different characters that have a lot of depth to them when you start figuring it out. Um, and you progress essentially from room to room in this game with your cards. And in the rooms, you get to either fight enemies, get some sort of rewards uh, that make your run better. And it's the kind of game where... If you hit like a dream streak of really nice things that you can find in these rooms, you can get an insanely powerful deck and you can also get a very mediocre one. So it's kind of one of those kind of games where sometimes you strike gold, sometimes you don't, uh, but it's really fun and a great challenge nonetheless. So that gets a big thumbs up from me. I think you've played it quite a lot too, right? Yeah, I love that game. It's really Was good. that an accurate description of it, more yeah, or less? I, th I think like so it, for me, it depends on the person. For me, it doesn't have as much replay value as other people. Uh, I mean, mm -hmm. it's roguelike, right? So you're picking your own path each time. And then there's kind of a, I wouldn't say there's a story necessarily, but there's a, like, once you beat the game, then there's a little bit extra that you can go for like bonus right. points or whatever. Uh, I feel like there's, I only like a couple of the characters. So like a couple of them, I just don't particularly like playing. And I feel like you could, maybe it would be hard to do because the cards are like a lot of the signature cards that come with those classes are going to be harder to create like with each one but there's only like four characters right mm -hmm. and there is an expansion an unofficial expansion which i have not gotten to play yet because it doesn't work with steam deck meaning well, i shouldn't say it doesn't work it doesn't have like the controller set up for something i cannot get like the steam deck controls to work but that one's called yeah. downfall which is a fan expansion so that's pretty cool that the community has made extra stuff on top yeah, that's a very, very, very good game. It's the first deck builder I ever played. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably same for me, actually. Um, but yeah, this this is very widely regarded as... I don't know if it's the best in the genre, but definitely one of them. Uh, I can see now in my Steam playtime. I played this game for 65 hours, and I pay. I, I don't know what I paid for it at the time, but now it's 21 euros. So I would say that's really good value for money for that type of game, especially... Um, yeah, check that out if that sounds intriguing to you guys at all. Even if you're not, like, I wouldn't say in order to appreciate this, you need to be into card games necessarily, because it's not, like, it's not really the same as playing cards. I don't know how to explain it. The roguelike element and the way that you're playing against monsters in it uh, is is quite different than sitting down and playing it. Yeah, a, I would say when you watch it, it, for me at least, because I'd never played a game even remotely like it, it did not look fun. But then mm -hmm. so many people recommended I finally tried it. And after like a couple of runs, I started to understand like how to play. And that's when it got a lot more fun for me. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I and yeah, like you, like you said, a bonus aspect of this, which I haven't talked about with previous games, but this is obviously an amazing game for handheld. If you have any way of playing uh, on a Steam Deck, uh, this is the perfect game for it because it's turn-based and you don't need to have like perfects. 
you know, reactions and movements or whatnot. So mm. it's very, very, very forgiving to play on handheld. All right. Guess what the second game is, Shannon? This one I'm having trouble. Uh, I'm going to just take a wild guess here and say Towerfall yeah. Ascension. That is incorrect. Mm. Although that is also a banging game. So we should probably add that to the list, actually. That's a good one. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I actually found, not to get off on a tangent here, a better version of that game. And I don't okay. remember the name because Nikki has it on our Switch, but it's fucking great. It's basically Towerfall Ascension, but fruit. And you cut each other in half, and there's a lot more abilities that you can pick up. It's like a, a deeper version of Towerfall Ascension and in a cuddly right, package. You need to ask Nikki for that. I need that game. I'm going to look it up now. Okay, Shannon. The other game is you will not believe that you didn't think of this game. It is Hades, of course. I thought you already recommended that. I did not. <laughs> I'm not Jesus Christ. You played I mean, it and recommended it. What do you mean? I didn't do it in the segment. Okay. I haven't recommended it in this segment. Sorry, We've talked about quick, it before on the podcast. The yeah, game so. is called Boomerang Foo. It's actually a very, very, very good party game. I don't know what systems it's for other than Nintendo Switch, but extremely good. It looks Boomerang stupid, Foo. but it's really... It's Towerfall Ascension, but better, in my opinion. Okay, well, now you guys have to wait for Towerfall Ascension until we talk about that at That's some right. point. Maybe, question mark. Okay, so Hades is currently, for me, 24.50 euros. Um... I played it for 82 hours, so that is obviously really good value. And this game is for this kind of this is the best game I've ever played in this type of gameplay. It's a roguelike and the story is incredible and it probably has the single best art style I have ever seen in a game, I think I want to say. Um the art is just fucking incredible. I love the voice acting, I love the characters, the personality, the way you develop the story. Um, if any of you guys have played Bastion, that is the inspiration for this game. So uh, you play as, I don't know, what would you call the view in this? What what person are you viewing it in? It is like some sort of third person. It's a cross between third person and Dota style. Yeah. It's, more, it's closer to Dota probably, but it's a fixed yeah. screen. Um, and the, so I don't want to spoil anything because the story is a really big part of the game. But the essence is you're playing a character... Uh, who needs to progress through uh, a very difficult challenge. And like with every other roguelike, whenever you die, you get stronger. Uh, but everything you discover along the way is really mind-blowing. The amount of interactions and detail that's put into this game with how you talk to other characters, what you learn, uh, how rewarding it is to complete the challenge as you get better, how much functionality there is, how many build paths you can take is... Uh, is pretty outstanding. I, I don't know what else to say. Like, this is a must-play game for me. I think this is perhaps my single best purchase in the last decade uh, as far as video games are concerned. So I, I can only give this game a 10 out of 10. And there's a, there's a Hades 2 on the horizon. They haven't announced when it's coming out, but it's in the works, um, which obviously fans are super excited about. I am having a hard time seeing it not disappoint because the first game was so perfect. Mm. Uh, but I'm, you know, I'm excited for it, of course, nonetheless. And if they can deliver anything similar to this game, it's it's going to be for, fantastic. For me, so. it's a top ten game of all time that I've played. Yeah, uh, I so will say the, the so for me the replay. I'm not I'm I'm not like everyone. The replay value because, like you said, you're dying over and over, and you're progressing through the story. When you finish the story, then because I don't want to give anything away, but there's more to it still. But at a certain mm -hmm. point, you start adding on. Uh, what's called heat, which is basically artificial difficulty. 
which yeah. I found very uninteresting. That's when I stopped playing. But still, regardless of that, even everything before that, still a lot of gameplay, and it was well worth the price. So excellent game. Yeah. This is incredible. Okay, so just as a... Okay, I just want to quickly correct some things or rather elaborate a little bit on this one. So first of all, we're seeing some comments in chat, so that's helpful. Uh, they're saying it's isometric view, which was what my gut told me as well. But I, when I think isometric, I think Diablo 1, where you're like walking on tiles. But I guess technically you are here as well. It's just, yeah, it's isometric. I think that's, that's the right word. So top-down isometric is the way you're playing. If, for those of you, that will make some sense. Uh, and yeah, saying that Bastion is an inspiration might be a, a wrong way of putting it because it is the same studio, but you can obviously they they took they took what they did well in Bastion and then they perfected it. I also think Bastion is a really good game, by the way, um, but it doesn't have the same amount of depth and replayability as this game does. I played through Bastion and I completed almost everything in twenty hours, and in this game I've played it for eighty-two. Right, so there's a lot more there. Um, but yeah, that is to say, if you have played Bastion and not Hades, and you thought Bastion was even remotely fun, <laughs> then you have to play this game. Yep. Um, but yeah, they it's amazing. Uh, really great game. That's all I can say, really. Play it. Uh, I think Hades is going to be a hit with more people on average than Slay the Spire. I think that's a little bit more yeah. hit or miss for people. I have a hard time seeing most people that like progressive games not find any joy in Hades. There I really agree. is something for everybody in that game. So. Let's move on now to uh, one of the two topics that we're going to discuss about Dota today. This one might be a one-minute conversation. Uh, the current yeah. prize pool, Cinderin, just to keep people updated, yep. of course. Uh, can you go on the website and tell me if 2.8 is the correct number right now? <clears throat> which means it has gained 1.2 million. Let me see. And it is that on... looks correct. It's on day eight, maybe? Seven days? Seven days, nine hours, I believe. So have you changed your tune at all to what the end number is going to be with this? Do you think that they're going to come out with anything that will boost it between now and TI? Keeping in mind, TI is quite soon yeah, TI is a week and a half away right something and I'm assuming like that this this uh prize pool keeps getting developed until the finals day which is what they've usually done so i'm assuming they do the same thing um do i think they will put more stuff in it um that's a good question i mean the thing that's so tricky about this kind of situation is that i don't know what if valve have like some sort of how to say prognosis might be the wrong word, but some sort of goal in mind when they made this, that they were like, okay, we're obviously going to downscale TI size. We know this will not sell as much as the battle pass. There's, there's no way they're surprised by this, but they could still be surprised by how poorly it has sold, relatively speaking. Um, or maybe this was what they expected, but I personally, like I told you, I think it was last episode, I was hoping that we would reach uh, eight-digit prize pool. That is absolutely not happening without major intervention at this point. Uh, and Valve haven't seemed to have any sort of statement or interest about changing and you know adding some of the stuff that people are asking for, which is obviously mainly cosmetics-related, 
Uh, a lot of people are saying they wish there was an event. I think that event could have been monetized. It could have been part of the compendium that you needed to buy the compendium to have the event. And then if the event is really cool, that will be the primary draw of getting the compendium. Um, but I think what people are forgetting when they're asking for that is if what D Valve are downscaling on with cosmetics, making a game mode is a lot more effort than making a couple of sets. So I know it's not the same people and the same skill set that is used, but if this is a matter of man hours and how much they're like how they're allocating those man hours to the game, then that is just not happening either, right? Which is a shame mm -hmm. because I am one of the people who is a really big fan of some of the game modes they put in the game, such as uh, Siltbreaker. I thought was an absolute banger. Uh, Aghanim's Labyrinth was really fun. Um, they did the... What was it called? The Tower Defense one. Moon. The one with Invoker. The Night Moon or something. <clears throat> and uh, Wraith Knight. Wraith Knight was really good. Yeah. So they, they've, they've honestly... I guess from Valve's perspective, one of the problems with making custom game modes is that it's really hit or miss. So it's very unrewarding if you make a mode that people don't like. And I, I can understand that it's hard to predict what's going to be a hit because some of the ones they made were absolutely amazing and others were just fell completely flat as far as the community was uh, con um, concerned. Like the Morokai, no, what was it called? Wrath of the... What is that called? Well, Wrath Morokai the... is one of them. Was, that, was it called that? Okay. Um, that one didn't really get that good of a reception. The latest, I mean, the later iterations that they tried to do on Dire Tide did not get nearly the same reception as the first one did. I know it obviously became a meme to give Dire Tide or whatever, but <laughs> they weren't all that great. Um, and yeah, there's been like polarizing events. So that's, that's really that. So if they're not putting that in and they're not putting cosmetics in, what can you do? in the compendium to draw people if well, those are your I, I think something they could have done which considering what they've come out with which i i feel mm. like they should know they should have known that this would not be well received i mean considering their blog posts kind of prepping people in a way to be ready for what came out eventually right they were kind of i feel like you and i were not shocked other than there not being a game mode we weren't really shocked that the compendium was what it was but I, I was a little surprised that if they know that that's going to be the case, why not change the number from 25% to 50, where you're giving away half the amount instead right. of 25%. 25% from the old battle passes where you're putting in a shit ton of work across the board from Valve to you know contractors to make sure they get all the cosmetics and everything fine-tuned over a long course. Like They talked about how long that takes them to do. It's understandable. So yeah. Mm. You're giving away 25%, you're keeping 75, which is a ridiculous amount of money. This one is almost nothing when you put it in, if you compare it. So probably should have right. just given away half instead and just called it a day. Uh, and then I mean, people will be happy with the Arcanas and shit after TI comes out because that's what they're going to do, right? If Valve just have, again, if they have a goal in mind that they want to reach, that is the easiest way to do it without putting in more work is literally just saying, okay, a bigger percentage of the battle pass or a compendium in this case goes to the prize pool. And I don't think, I don't think they're going to get negative backlash for doing that. Like the, like the people that bought the compendium are like, oh, I only bought the compendium because 25% went to the prize pool. I want Valve <laughs> to get 75%. You guys are giving away 50 to the players? Fuck that. I want my money back. You know, I don't I don't really think that's going to be an issue. They're, they're just going to get a shitload of goodwill and people will be really happy with it. But again, this is all about like, what's the goal here? Clearly the goal is to not be 
the necessarily at least the biggest esports prize pool in the world anymore as part of advertising the game which you know ti was a huge advertisement for a game arguably the only advertisement for a game that valve were really you know actively participating in um and the fact that they've downscaled it this much obviously means that they don't feel like either they feel like the resources are not worth it or that they might feel like something like a battle pass could still technically be worth it, but they just have other projects that are way more important to them individually. And Valve's company policy is to let people work on largely what they want to do. And if, you know, some of the spearhead players in developing these battle passes are working on other games or have left the company or whatever, they, you know, you can speculate whatever you want. Nobody fucking knows. So uh, end of the day, we're here. I, your first question was what I think it's going to reach now or... Mm, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I we said. Did I say five? I think we we had a. I think we disagree. I think you said it was going to be around five or north of five, and I thought it would be less than. Yeah, Am yeah. I, I think I said five. Assessment? I think I said five. That sounds about what I what I ex expected. And at this point, with this trajectory, I don't think it's going to get there anymore. I think we'll be looking at somewhere around four, maybe. So it's been how long since it came out? You said it's been eight days. Eight days. So in eight days, it the prize pool grew by 1.2 million. So then, and TI ends in three and a half weeks. So in like 24 days, roughly 25 days. No, 20, 25 days, I think. Um, to my so understanding, another, like yeah, they're, probably they're also, four million. There also isn't much incentive to leveling it. I think the main thing yeah. that will make them money is people that want to continue collecting the ages people that have mm -hmm. the full collection already so they'll just right. slap it down for the same thing that's probably where they get most of it but otherwise otherwise i personally haven't really seen anybody too excited about any of the upgrade upgrades that you get mm -hmm. like the hud is cool but like you have to pay a lot of money to get to that anyway so meh. um so i i guess something that they could do as well for this is but again if they literally have this like hard stance no cosmetics right like let's let's entertain the idea that they don't have that stance that we are not going to put any cosmetics in this under any circumstances they don't have to make immortals from scratch right there are tons of really good community sets out there that could be integrated and maybe need a little bit of polish but not be made from the ground mm. um or from 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 zero and you could mix in Something like an Arcana token, you know, like the thing they gave in the goodie bag last year where everybody just got to choose any Arcana of their choice. That could be a reward at some level. So there's a reason to level up uh, as well. So you can like get close to that. So for example, let's say you buy the baseline compendium and it costs 12 bucks or whatever it is. And it's level six. And by playing through all the challenges, you can get to level 100 or whatever. Then put an Arcana token at level 100. And the people that really want to interact with and grind the battle pass and put in all the effort can get an Arcana in the end. Uh, and other people that find it appealing to try to get to that Arcana can, you know, pay for it. And then the compendium will be leveled up. Obviously, if you take a level 6 compendium and level it all the way to 100 by buying levels, that would be more expensive than just buying an Arcana. But if you're playing the compendium and you feel like you have something to work toward, people are more likely to, first of all, buy it and play. And secondly, they might get three quarters of the way and then they're like, fuck it, I'll pay 15 bucks to get my Arcana in the end. And then mm. all of a sudden that's two and a half compendiums instead of one, 
that that person bought. And they feel like they got something for their money, right? That's the thing that it's what I'm gathering from almost everyone that I'm hearing this about is that they want to spend money on this, but they feel like there's no, there isn't enough value in it for them. There isn't enough stuff well, that they that's, want. That's so. good news for Valve then, because then they'll save that money and then spend it mm -hmm. when the Arcanas do come out after TI. Right. Valve keeps I mean, all obviously, of it. yes. Um, the question is, again, how big of a hit it is for, let's say, Valve's, if you want to really get pragmatic about the business side of this. The question is how good of a pragmatic decision it is for them in terms of having a big player base that's actively engaging with the game and wanting to spend money. Because this is like, this is a comment I've seen a lot online is that uh, TI is like Christmas for Dota players because the battle pass comes out and you're like, oh, what's it going to be this year? Oh, there's all this cool shit I can get. Awesome. Want to spend toward that. Want to gift to friends, blah, blah. Want to play together. Give you a reason to log in and play. If that isn't there this time and they're going to drop Arcana's post TI, how many players do you miss is the question. Because, yeah, maybe you get to bag all of the money if you want to look at it that way for the stuff that you put in the game. But um, there's a decent segment of players. I don't know how they have the numbers, but you tell me um, how many players you think are not playing because there isn't a battle pass. I think it's a significant chunk of players. Yeah, but that's that the thing, Cinderin. That's the th like, mm -hmm. I cannot believe I'm agreeing with Valve here with a caveat. Okay. Okay. From their perspective, what is the fucking point? If, let's say they're, right, okay, let's go back in time. They're making however many millions on the battle pass. They're having to give away a quarter of it for this giant-ass prize pool, which you and I and a lot of the community, maybe not the people that were making the money, the few 0.1%, but everybody else like, this is too much. This should be spread across the scene in some right. capacity. Mm-hmm. Number one, I think they should have done that, but they didn't, right? So the other alternative is, yeah, when the Battle Pass comes out, regardless of whether it's connected to TI or not, that's when players start playing. They're going to do that after TI, and that's going to be the new tradition. That's going to be the new Christmas, not connected to TI. Because I don't think the connection to TI even matters. Because now they keep 25% more of the money. You know what I mean? Like, right. I don't... Right, one second. My dog, is, my dog is making some sounds. I'm just making sure he's okay. I'll be okay. Okay, Onion... Stay, stay. That's a good boy. All right, I'll pause. I'm not just sitting here awkwardly. Okay, I have unpaused now, Cinderin. Is Onion okay? Mm -hmm. Give us the He's story. Fine. He's good. That's no it. No worries. That's the story. He's good. Okay. Okay, do you want more depth on the story? Because then I can quickly. Yes, give it. please. So sometimes this is going to sound way scarier than it is, but I think. Have you had a dog before? Uh, no. Okay. So I don't know if this is common to all breeds, but he has these moments sometimes where he will start like, it sounds like he's heaving for air. It seems, sounds like he's, you know, like, <gasps> you know, but <clears throat> I think usually it's because he gets something, he gets something in his nose and he's trying to get it out. It's not right. because he can't breathe, mm. but you just check on him just in case. It's that happens to supposedly, me. Yeah, it's supposedly pretty common, but it does sound a little bit spooky, and I figured it's better to check than just pretend it's the same as always, right? But it's just like, yeah. he's probably just got some dust in his nose or whatever, and he's trying to get it out. It's a good boy. Um, it's a good boy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so anyway, what I was saying is this makes sense from Val's perspective, and I can't even blame them for it. Because I don't think the connection between TI and the Battle Pass matters at all. 
other than less money for Valve. Because mm-hmm. when they come out with this battle pass or whatever they're going to call it, probably will still be a battle pass with mm-hmm. the Arcanas and all that shit. That's going to be Christmas that you were talking about. Players right. will stop, start being interested again in all that stuff. Yeah, and it makes so the, sense in some respects with, like, if you have a handful of devs only working on Dota now, as opposed to them having three to four times the amount before, it makes sense to scale back. I still would prefer for them to do that for TI and then spread after a certain cap throughout the whole scene. But at the same time, if they don't want to deal with esports, which they've made that very clear, right? Mm-hmm. Then this actually makes sense. I think. Yeah, I mean the the thing we've talked about this a hundred times by now. But if you if you did want to, let's say, let's say you had the prize pool of last year and you had the the battle pass, or whatever, and the money from that, putting that toward other tournaments in the year isn't a lot of work, right? It's not like it is because they have to, they have to approve these tournaments, right? I my understanding. What, have they announced anything post TI? What they have to? not announced what they're going to do, but I'm assuming if there's going to be a road to the international next year, not the name of the actual tournament, but a way to qualify for TI, they have to greenlight tournaments anyway to give points for that circuit, right? If they're they're not going to have the DPC, but there's going to have to be some way for Valve to qualify teams. Yeah. And if Valve are not running any tournaments, then other tournaments need to give some sort of points by some sort of system. So at that point, anyway, Valve will have to be like, okay, this tournament counts, this tournament doesn't count, this is how many points it gives, this is how many blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And if you're at that stage anyway, and then you're already saying, these are the tournaments that are big, these are the tournaments that matter this year, then you could put the prize money toward that. And they could have done that the past five years as well. It didn't have to be all TI. This was an option that was there for years. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we think it's healthier for the scene, but... The fact of the matter is, like, let's say TI would have been, instead of the year that it peaked, was like 40 mil. Let's say that year it was capped at 10. And then you had $30 million for the rest of the year to make like six major tournaments worth half or a third or whatever. And you could, like, you could imagine how you could do this. Um, I just wonder why that never happened. Because those, some of those seasons had tons of Valve tournaments, right? They had officially sanctioned majors, they had officially sanctioned minors. The players themselves, every player I've talked to about this, always said TI is too big. Not that they are not happy with the money, but that it's not healthy for the game that one tournament takes up so much of the money of the year, right? Like, that, that's everything you're playing for. The yeah. players, I'm sure, were extremely grateful and feel blessed that the community want to spend so much money on this game and that they are the beneficiaries in the end of huge prize pools. Of course, that's fucking amazing. That's not the point. Like, it's great that we have so much money for the pros, but at the end of the day, a lot of really, really, really skilled players who had some good results throughout the years, who just didn't do well at TI, have very little to show for it relative to those who did. And you could be like, well, the guys that won TI are the best in the world. They were the best in the world at that time. But Mm. there's been teams that are amazing for like two thirds of a year. They won like everything. And if the prize pools for those tournaments were bigger, do you think they would have sucked? I don't. I think it would have still been great. They were good because they were just fucking good at the game. And I don't think with I, bigger stakes that think, they would have... I mean, part of that also you know. is like, I know some people would compare this to traditional sports. Like, oh, the NBA, you're playing for eight months out of the year and the championship mm-hmm. is all that matters. But it's not a fair comparison because the game doesn't change. The patches yeah. change the way 
that the game yep. is played and the teams that win early get punished the most. I think historically that is just a fact. So yeah, yeah. I mean, we've talked about this a million times. Yeah. I, but again, going back to the battle pass thing, like regardless mm -hmm. of the competitive scene, I think this, it just makes sense for Valve. Okay, so what do you think this is going to do long term then? Is this? I mean, that it's impossible to say because I don't know what they're doing after TI. Is it completely hands off and everybody just has third party tournaments? You don't have to have any uh, contact with Valve at all. And then once the tournaments are announced, they say, okay, I guess we'll give this tournament X amount of DPC points or whatever the fuck you want to call it or TI points. Uh, I was mainly thinking about it <clears throat> from a financial perspective for the pro scene itself because okay. I think. I think the year with the $40 million prize pool, which was the extreme anomaly, or sure, you could say that. I think that year, TI was 80 to 85% of all prize winnings was that one tournament. Now you've effectively axed that. So I think it's fair to say that compared to last year, if I were to guess, the total amount of prize money in Dota this year is half of that of last year. That's just money that doesn't exist in the pro scene now. Mm. And the question for me is, if this is how it's going to look, first of all, Obviously, the third-party organizers, in order to have this be a scene that's actually livable for the players that live, especially in countries with higher costs of living, such as Western Europe and the US, these players need to have enough to play for unless either there's big enough sponsorships that can sustain them healthily on a month-to-month -month wage, uh, which becomes increasingly unattractive to sponsors if there's less prize money to pay for, play for, right? The, the reason that some sponsors were still in Dota in years where it was not particularly a, a good investment was that you you effectively you invested in your team's chances to get a big payout at ti that isn't there either now so these sponsors that have you know stuck with dota because of ti what are they going to do are they still going to see a financial incentive or are we going to reach a point where essentially the third party tournaments hold quote unquote hold the power of the scene and the teams that are playing are largely i don't i don't know do you get what i'm getting at here like i don't know if the i don't know how the ecosystem is going to look this wasn't from valve's perspective this is about what happens to pro dota in general in the coming yeah. years because no, because no. of how big of a magnitude this had right i don't know yeah i think because this impossible. is still this is still a really big prize pool right it's kind of funny that we can talk about these players are playing for three million dollars and we're like it's nothing you know this is still a big tournament by esports standards this is a big event uh it's going to be fucking amazing i'm sure but our scene has just developed in a direction that was based off of TI being really big. And other esports went a different path where they have a different circuit, different systems or whatever. CSGO would be a great example, which has lower prize pools, but they have a pretty strong viewership and their sponsorship interactions with teams. There's way more orgs in CS. That's just the short version of it, right? That's just, especially in the West, Western orgs see oh, a reason it, to invest. It's also that a more marketable game though. So it, yes, you, you can't, I think people compare scenes to other like games mm -hmm. to games. It's impossible to do that. They're so drastically right. different, you know. But that's where the, the funny thing is the, the same company too, from, because right? not only is the game different, but the way the company actually does stuff within that ecosystem mm -hmm. is different, despite it being the same fucking company, right? But that's the that that's the crux of this, right? Is that if that game is more marketable, and that is why sponsors are there and participating in teams in that game, and then in this game they were largely here. Not by the comparison to CSGO that this or that. This was, this was our, how to say, saving grace almost in an org sense mm. where you're saying, okay, CSGO is more marketable, but Dota had TI. That was huge, and that was why orgs were willing to invest in it. If that goes away, 
I don't know. I mean, I'm just curious to see what happens in the coming two years. If this scene can lift itself entirely, if the players can, I think it's reasonable to expect that players will have to expect a salary cut, right? At this rate, because if an org is an investment, they're not a charity that's just throwing money at players for fun, right? So if they want to return an investment and now half the prize money of the year is just gone, you have to expect a cut in salary because if you expect the same results out of your players, there's less money coming the other way. So are the players just going to have to live off less? Does this mean that certain orgs are just gone because there's like no hope now of turning a profit? Um, you know, that, that, is, that is my concern here is, is yeah, the lack of money. There's right? definitely a certain segment right. of the tier one players that are very well paid that will not be very well paid anymore after this mm -hmm. year. But that's my biggest concern is not the, you know, the people, whether they, whether they make 50% less of the ones that make the most, because they're going to be fine. It's about the ones that are in this, like, I'm not going to say limbo, but the ones that make enough money to get by and then have to get some results. And if they lose their income, what do they do? Right? Like tier two teams that might be on an okay-ish salary or the lowest of tier one teams that probably can play this fully but not be like, okay, I'm putting aside a lot of money every month unless I get a good result. Like, mm -hmm. what are they going to do? Let's say, I don't know, I I'm mean, not going to name drop teams, but you know what like, kind of category of teams this is that always make, like, let's say, maybe they make top eight, maybe they make top 12, but they don't you know, win or get top threes consistently. Mm. How, how are they going to look next year and the I mean, year I th after? Would you, I think one thing I will say, in my opinion, is that the pro scene will be worse off than it was prior. Would you agree mm. with that? Just in general um it's hard to, honestly i'm not going to say that straight up because again there's so many question marks about who's going to step up to the you're plate the one asking the questions here well when okay when you mean oh you said less well off like there's just going to be less money 100 percent. no not like, that. there's no doubt about that whatever go ahead be your contrarian or that's no, actually wait, not a contrarian mean? forget wait, it just question? keep going keep going no <laughs> you said the scene is going to be worse off yeah no, competitive scene, specifically. The game and the player base mm -hmm. might actually be better off, but I think right. pro players will be worse oh, off in general. general yeah, I would agree with that. Yes. Their conditions are just going to be worse, for sure. I mean, that's what I've been saying so far, right, is that they will make less money from their sponsorships, etc. So yeah, they will. Um, and that's across the, thing the board. I, I would think so, yes. The thing that I didn't know for a fact when you asked the question is whether, how to say whether we will have less access to good quality of games. Because there might still be a lot of tournaments run, they will just be worth less money. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe the viewership experience is not going to take that big of a hit. We'll lose the DPC, but if there's enough third-party tournaments, there's still going to be great arenas for these players to showcase their skill. The question is just, which players and what are they playing for? Um, and that, that, is the, that is the big question mark here. And I don't know. Maybe we're overreacting. Maybe this isn't that big of a deal uh, at the end of the day that this prize pool isn't so big, but I'm just looking at the bottom line here. I'm like, there's just $20 million that the pro scene isn't getting this year. Um, yeah. And that's a lot. That's a lot of money. <laughs> um, and most of it obviously went to the top, which we also have our perspectives on and our takes of how much money should go to the winners, et cetera, et cetera. I think they but, should start paying casters millions of dollars. What do you think? Oh, that'd be good. I would appreciate that. <laughs> um oh, we've talked about this subject for quite a while would you like to move on to the next Cinderin? Sure. let's do that somehow yeah. this episode is going to be a normal length episode there you go i told you 
so one thing I did want to discuss because we did not want to do TI predictions yet because the compendium does not have TI predictions available to yep. to select anything in for another five days because the groups aren't out and all that. Let's talk about what needs to change with the game before TI because both of us are expecting a patch and it better come pretty fucking soon. I think when does group start in a week? I think there will be a patch and it'll be today because okay. they're waiting for the podcast to come out where we talk about nothing <laughs> for an hour and then the patch will be released, nerfing the sure. likes of PA, Nature's Profit, whatever. What do you want to see change? I know that it's going to be almost all nerfs, if not just yeah. all nerfs, right? That is literally all I want. So I just want nerfs and I wouldn't mind to see a couple of things removed from the game as usual, but that's not happening and that's fine. The thing that's important right now is the trajectory that the game was taking in the last major tournament that we just had in Dream League. Um, what ended up happening toward the end was that the first phase of bans, which now has seven, one team has three, the other has four. It's asynchronous, which I still think is really cool. Um, there were just there's like a subset of heroes that would basically get banned every game. And that's okay. I mean, that's not unusual to Dota that it's like, oh, there's this like these two or three heroes that are are really good and really hard to deal with or whatever. But there's just like some egregious heroes right now that are just way too good and it's clear. Um, so I guess, I mean, we can make this pretty short. I just want to see nerfs to some of the key heroes. I'll try to remember them all off the top of my head. I'm looking at the hero list right now. So Sven... Definitely 100% too strong. There's no doubt about it. Uh, PA is busted in the later portions of the game and is probably also even better in lane than she used to be, or she is. Uh, that hero is definitely too strong. Then you have Brewmaster, which is completely bonkers in the offlane, just clearly overtuned right now. Um, Beastmaster, I would say, is also clearly overtuned in what he does. Uh, those are probably the most egregious ones. Invoker, probably, as well. I uh, saw that getting a lot of love at that tournament, too. Those are, just off the top of my head, probably the strongest ones. I'm not sure if I'm missing any. Then we have the next... The, the reason those that get mentioned first is that those are the cores that are too good. And then you have the supports next, where you have, like, Vengeful Spirit and Treant, in particular, just being too strong. Um... I guess in the cores you could make a case for Dawnbreaker and oh, Earth Spirit. I forgot Earth Spirit. Earth Spirit is definitely also too strong as a core, no doubt. And Pango, of course, as usual. Pango is still <laughs> an S-tier hero after receiving 10 nerfs because they're not nerfing what makes the hero good. So he's still extremely good. good That's fine with that. me. He's exciting. Um, I like watching Pango. It's a fun hero, but I don't like watching it get picked or banned literally every game. And... Uh, I mean, that's the case for every hero, right? So it's. Uh, I hope they can keep what makes the hero fun and cool without killing it competitively. Mm. And obviously the primary reason this hero is so good is the swashbuckle diffusal interaction. It's the way the ulti works, which I definitely don't think they should rework the ult. I think it should be what it is. Uh, my suggestion is just to put higher mana costs on his non-ulti spells. I think they're too cheap for what they do. Um it allows the hero to play in a specific way that's maybe too strong. And if you nerf the defusal on the hero, well, then you're also killing it, because that's what makes it so good in the mid-game. So it's, it's kind of in this awkward spot where the hero is incredible because of a subset of specific things that you don't really want to change. So I understand that it's hard, but mm. he's also just too good. 
Uh, did I make the round of most heroes here? Then Gyro gets like an honorable mention. I think he's like a tier below these other carries, but if they get nerfed, he will be overpowered. So he probably also needs a bit of a nerf. He comes below Sven and PA for me, but still is incredibly strong this patch. Um, yeah, nerfs to all of that. And the reason I want to see it is not just from my own pub experience or whatever. It's in order to make TI a more enjoyable event to watch. I think, I think it's good for the show that you don't have... It, it's not a problem that each patch has heroes that are good, right? They just can't be this much too good. Because mm. if, they're, if they're very good, teams can still counter-strategize them very well. I don't see a team counter-strategizing Sven right now. I genuinely believe it's borderline impossible to counter this hero truly. So it's, there, there's no reason to go into TI Remember with a hero in that state. you used to be able to use oh. Diffusal on Sven? Oh, yeah, it, would, a God's it would dispel his ult. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, if they put that in the game, the hero would be dead. So <laughs> they could do that. Yeah. Um, okay, I got two, two yeah. things. Okay. Mm -hmm. I I would like. I think you mentioned Nature's Prophet, but I I would like to see. I did not mention him actually. I would like to see Sprout reverted, please. I think if you looked for the definition of power creep, that would mm -hmm. be Sprout. I don't yeah. understand why that's in the game. It's very stupid. Please get rid of it. Like completely kill. They've, we've been talking about for years that they've been doing it for like all these heroes and for some reason this one really fucking tilts me especially considering you have to have like a quelling blade the entire game as every hero mm -hmm. to counter this shit or get a four right. staff ridiculous and the second one which i actually just thought of the reason why they haven't nerfed this and i think the reason is because it's exciting probably mm -hmm. But I think that there is a neutral item, and maybe we've talked about it, that is objectively the best neutral item in the entire game. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Ninja Gear? Yes, Ninja Gear. Yeah, that's... I mean, I, I said what I wanted to nerf. This is one of the items I want to remove. I, that, I don't think they're going to remove one before TI. I yeah. think one small thing... Because I think they will remove this after TI. That's my guess, but... I think the thing they can do to make this less crazy is if you backpack it, your smoke should be gone. Just like every other item that they nerfed in the past. Remember, right. you used to have the That's illusionist cape or whatever. Like, yeah. Once you backpack it, your smoke is gone. It's way too broken. In like 70 minute games, you still have ninja gear that you're using to smoke yourself. Then you swap it for your tier 5 item. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Completely OP. It's the best neutral true. in the game, period. And yep. it's been like that for a year plus, if not more. So I yep. don't get it. Don't get it. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to convince me to remove neutral items. I, I mean, it's one I, neutral I, item. I, I don't need winning over. Yeah, I mean, Justin, I mean, any, any of them, you know. You, you want to remove another <laughs> one? I'm down, you know. With baby steps. Let's take one at a time. Eventually we'll get there. Some of them are cool. Uh, I, I like them. Now. Yeah. It no, took a that, while, but I like them. Here's the thing, though. The cool neutral items could just be items, you know? Then make them purchasable in the shop. Take the best designs and put them in the shop and make people buy them in the game for gold. Why, why not? Like, why do they have to be random drops? Well, because some, is, a lot of them are... This, is great, this has been a great test bed for concepts to be like, this item is cool, this item is cool, this item, eh, you know, whatever. Just put them in there. Let people buy them for gold. We don't need that. I'm way less negative about them than I used to be, okay? I would I'm say a majority of neutral open. items are already right. version... They already have versions of them as items. They're just worse versions right. of them. Ogre yeah, Steel Totem, four staff. Uh, and Philly Stone, Midas, right? Like, uh, 
Yeah, it's similar. I, I guess it's if a you bit have of a to start, buy but... a Philly stone to gain gold mm. per minute, it's a hand a shitty Hanamitis. Yeah, I mean that's same concept. The, okay, this could be an infinitely long discussion. <laughs> I'm not saying all of these items can go in the shop. I'm saying some of them, the best designs that would be funny as purchases, could go in the shop, and the rest just uh, there's a lot of these that wouldn't make sense to buy. I would agree, I agree 100 with that. Okay, and some of the concepts are, yeah, just not the best. So yeah. But I'm I'm way less how to say I'm I'm a lot more up to or positive about neutral items than I was a couple of years ago because I think they did a good job balancing them o- over time. But yeah, we still have some outliers like Ninja Gear. I personally don't like Grove Bow by design. I think heroes shouldn't get attack range from a neutral item as a ranged hero. I think that's kind of silly. Uh, and in that same vein, you could remove the cast range items too, like Eye of the Vizier. Uh, they did remove the and Psychic Head Bent. They removed the other. Uh, what was it? The the tier one that gave cast range and mana region that was stupidly busted. What was that one called? Uh, Keen Optic, was it, I think? Um, That's the cast range, removed, yeah. Yeah, they removed that one, right? And now we just have the tier twos and threes, which, I don't know. This is a, yeah, this is a whole bag to open and talk about. Telescope's still there as well, of course. Um, and Seerstone, ultimately, is the the, the best one, but... Yeah, I, I think all in all, in terms of what I would like to see nerfed or what I think is more important to change in the game, neutral items is definitely not at the top of my list right now for what would make a better TI. I agree with Ninja Gear. Um, the other items can stay in their current That's form. The I thing. don't think it's going to make I, or break games. Do but. you agree that the reason they haven't... Like, they've nerfed Ninja Gear, but not the smoke aspect of it. And it's because late game scenarios, it becomes more exciting for things to actually happen. It incentivizes fighting in a way, Right. Yeah, I guess, but then it can't... Here's the problem. If that's why they're keeping it in the game, then it's unfair that the teams don't get an equal amount of them. Yeah, right? true. If, this, is the, this is my whole problem with neutral items since the beginning of their implementation is that it's chance. There's no saying if you get the item you want for your hero. Now, what they did well over time was balance out the tiers, and now that you get to choose between five, you know, you're... There's still variants, but they have significantly lowered it, which is very good because there used to be items that were super busted on one hero and okay on everyone else or even bad. And those have been changed like the old, uh, what was it called? The healing item that you would get on IO, um, the essence ring, right? That, for example, mm-hmm. got removed. Like the, these egregious ones that were just crazy on one hero and not the rest. So, so that now within a given tier, you get five choices. It's it's not impossible, but it's very unlikely that you get nothing that seems really good to your hero in the game. It might not be the best, but it's at least very good. And now there's just a couple of these outlier items that are still there that just feel like if you get or don't get these, it can genuinely make or break games. Like Ninja Gear, I think in Tier 3, Ogre Seal Totem is worth a mention. It's really fun, right? I think that's also why they're keeping it in the game. It makes for fun moments such as Ninja Gear. Uh, same as Ninja Gear, I mean, but... The Ogre Seal Totem, what it does is is fundamentally quite crazy to get for free, right? For I have a question. Random things. question, mechanics. Is it dispellable? Mm-hmm. Uh, no. So Nullifier has no effect? I believe it doesn't. But it does yeah, on four staff. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure. I, I don't... Let me see. Huh. Uh, it actually doesn't even say on it if it's dispellable. I've never thought about that, but I I'm pretty pretty sure it doesn't. It can't be countered at all. Okay, someone in chat is saying it is dispellable. 
I don't actually know this. Now I really want to test it. <laughs> I shouldn't have asked. Should have saved it for a, a future cast. I love asking right, these I'm like good. really random yeah, no, mechanical questions like right before a team fight. <laughs> I want to know this, you know. So now, now that my... You're actually I, testing I, it right now? Yeah, I'm just having a quick look at this. I mean, I, I don't know if what else you... What else you want to talk about with this? Oh, um, no, we're about to wrap up this section and then go to our final yeah. section, which we saved from last week. I'm very excited to talk about. Okay, I'm almost there, Shannon. I promise. Oh, just very close. Give us the play-by-play. -play. <laughs> All right. I don't think it's dispellable in any way. I just put Demonic Purge on my Spectre, and she jumps just fine. So. Okay, very cool. I, I was surprised that somebody said it's Dispelway. I just didn't remember any situation that it didn't work. So yeah, that's another thing. This is the one escape item that counters, from a support's perspective, that counters Nullifier. So essentially, this item is arguably better than Force and Glimmer combined in some game states, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, it's a... It's another one for the list that's a bit eh. But yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, that's mainly what I want to see before TI is nerfs to those heroes that we talked about. And there might be a couple more here and there. And obviously, if you do nerf these heroes, that means other heroes get to rise and shine and they will become more popular. Uh, it's always a very delicate thing, balancing this game. is very hard. It's never, you can't get true balance in Dota. It's impossible. The game's way too deep and that's fine. Every tournament has its heroes. Um, but it's just what usually happens after a major tournament is that some of the ones that were like, okay, this was clearly too strong, they get nerfed. It just hasn't happened this time, which is very uncharacteristic considering how the drafts went and how, I would say, relatively predictable a lot of the drafts ended up being. And mm -hmm. I, I think that's not what you want at TI. I think you want it to be surprising. You want there to be crazy drafts the hero variety also wasn't the greatest in dream league either there were a lot of heroes that were neither picked nor banned compared to the amount of games played mm -hmm. so that also is an indication that those heroes don't even necessarily need buffs it's just when you nerf some of the egregious ones the pool will widen because then the next tier of heroes that start getting picked in their stead or that get like side by side on the same level as them might have counters that are in that pool of heroes that ended up not being used right so then you then you introduce them that way uh, but we'll you, you and I, I would be I really shocked would. if there's not a patch. Very shocked. No, I won't be shocked. Really? Yeah. I because we're be. so we're we're so close to TI now that I would not be shocked if they don't patch it. It's and coming they, today, guys. You heard it here um, first. Coming today. If you ask me, two or three weeks ago, I would be shocked. Yes, but at this point, we're this close now. Maybe it's just not happening. Maybe they want this to be the version at TI and. It's not like it's going to suck and Dota will be ass and TI will be the worst or whatever. It's not like that. It's just I think it would be better with some tweaks that yeah, I think they could very easily implement. I mean, they usually are... do it somewhat close to yeah. TI. So yeah, It's maybe. happening today. You'll see. Okay. They, they wait for the podcast, like I said, like yep. clockwork. I'm down. Okay, last topic, which is something that we wanted to talk about last week. We didn't have time, and I am very excited to talk about it, is chat GPT. We've talked about this before, but holy fucking shit. OpenAI had some major, major announcements the last couple weeks, and I'm just going to give you guys a rundown. Some of it is not available yet. 
So the first part, I have not been able to get access to this quite yet, but ChatGPT, you can use with voice now, or you're going to be able to use with voice. It will be able to talk back to you as well as kind of like a personal assistant. You can upload photos to the AI. So if you have like something like, what is this? It will tell you what it is. Or if you need help, like the example they give is how to, like they're looking at the bottom of like a, a bicycle seat thingy where it's like, how do I take this off or something like that? And you just, you take the picture, you circle it and you send it into chat GPT and it tells you exactly what to do step-by-step. Step. That's fucking amazing. Okay. That's the first thing. That's actually crazy. Second thing, which is also open AI is DALI 3. So DALI 2, we talked about a while back now. We were both blown away. You type in the chat prompt to get AI to create a picture for you. And obviously there's different uh, sites that you can do this, but DALI 2 is considered by most to be, I think it's the most popular one, I'm pretty sure. And obviously there's some things that wouldn't do particularly well, like text would be really bad. Uh, DALI 3 is announced and I got access to it recently. So I think you can go on Bing, which is the Microsoft version of Google, if <laughs> for those of you that don't know. And uh, there's a an image creation thing there that you can use for free, and you get a hundred tokens to get to have these uh, prompts or whatever. And I don't know how often they refill, if at all. I've been using that; it's been really good. But they also announced that they were going to uh, integrate that into ChatGPT which I've been paying for the premium version of ChatGPT because I'll tell you why in a minute, but first people to get access to it are the paying customers and I got access to that today. So in my normal ChatGPT text prompt, I can ask it to make me a picture and I did this on stream earlier and it's fucking incredible. So it actually does text mostly correctly now. The graphics are way better. It's just the range that it can actually... Uh, create these pictures for you is insane so examples uh you can't really like there's a lot of things you're not allowed to do obviously like violence uh they've i don't know if you were able to do this with dally too i don't think so but now there's even more restrictions with using like celebrity mm -hmm. faces even us we're not really celebrities but i said create a picture of sun's fan and cinder like you can't make a living a picture of a living person or something like that right but you can create you know you can describe them and you can get something close perhaps but i've been using historical figures and it's incredible it's like example is abraham lincoln and cleopatra holding hands with the pyramids in the background you can make it really long like a big story and then you just say what kind of art style you want if not i'll just put up random stuff you could do it in like i usually say digital video game style and I was like, mm -hmm. okay, so it comes up with this. And you know what? I'm actually going to show the pictures because they're just fucking incredible. My login expired. Good timing, ChatGPT. Really appreciate that. <laughs> Why does I, it expire? I, so I've been using ChatGPT, and I don't want to give anything away, but I've been using it for video game stuff because we're creating the standalone game. Just being able to ask it questions and it bounces back ideas, it's incredible actually incredible uh so this prompt that i put in cinderin mm -hmm. was and this was with help from the chat and whatnot so the first one is 
digital video game art in dark atmospheric style reminiscent of Diablo 4, depicting Abraham Lincoln and Cleopatra standing hand in hand in front of the pyramids. So I'm going to put that up on the screen. And this is what it came up with. Like S-tier art. Just S-tier. Incredible. Sorry for the audio listeners out there. Well, for the audio listeners, you can imagine it is what he said. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly what I said. <laughs> then I wanted to make it a little more clowny. So I'm like, all right, have them do the same picture, but have them playing basketball against each other. <laughs> this fucking Abraham Lincoln and Cleopatra just playing some basketball together, you know? No big deal. That's pretty pretty solid. Oh, and stuff. all the characters in the background are just regular basketball. Yeah, they're just regular basketball <laughs> players, just chilling. You know, that's good. But the, the cool that's thing funny. is, like I mentioned, like you can say, let's take this and make it this style instead. So I was like, okay, let's do a versus screen of. I think this one was supposed to be Attila the Hun versus. Uh, I was gonna say Little Caesar <laughs> versus Julius Caesar, and it comes up with like this very epic looking versus screen it's like a, a fighting game style is what i basically right. told it right so i'm like okay let's take that except let's change the characters to a t-rex versus freddie mercury and make the style mike tyson's punch out okay and okay. this is the one it comes up with of course it comes up with like usually four examples hey, this is incredible just incredible stuff. I am just blown away. It's fucking Freddie Mercury, as if he's in Punch Out, fighting against T Rex. Like it doesn't oh, get any better than detail, that. The detail with Freddie Mercury's belt or boxer saying Rex as well. That's funny. Oh, I didn't even notice that. And he's got I a wonder, nice bulge in his pants, it, too. I wonder how it came up with that. And then I took I that, that comes from. and I said, okay, let's do another versus screen, but this one is a T Rex versus a horse. And make it Diablo 4 style. So this one is like super epic. Imagine how long this would that take. That is so Diablo 4 style. Actually. Imagine like somebody creating this from scratch. You know how long this would take? Mm. It's just mind-blowing, man. I can understand why some artists are like super against AI. And I think it's like any other big thing that like computers just being a thing finally, right? That mm. was a huge change. Internet being a thing, huge change. AI is the same thing. This has absolutely blown me away. It is absurd how cool this is. And the thing, the thing about this that's always the gray zone, right, is the, I mean, this is the discussion that there's been about it, right, is how does the AI learn, right? Because if, mm. if the way that it learns to make this art is by drawing inspiration from tons of art that has been made by humans, how, how copyrighted is the stuff that it's doing technically, right? Because like, Let's say the way it makes these images is by sampling a hundred copyrighted works and then drawing parallels and understanding how things are in proportion to each other, how they're placed, what makes what image, what it is, and then it draws them. Then I think that's one of the problems that artists have, right? Is that they feel like their works are being scraped and used to train this AI, despite the AI mm -hmm. not, you know, copying exactly what any individual person has done. It has learned by what everybody has done. And I mean, you could make a case that's what humans do too, right? The way you become a better artist is by drawing inspiration from what other artists do. You see how they drew things. You mm -hmm. learn. You try. So it's kind of like a human, just that it it has learned to a level that humans can't in terms of speed, right? Um, 
in theory, any of the prompts you just gave it, you could have given to a world-class artist and they could have produced an image of equal quality. It's not that these images that the AI makes are mind-blowing because it's the most beautiful art of all time. It's because it can make them in 30 seconds. Yeah. Right? But because none of the drawings that you showed, they all look really fucking cool. They would have also been really fucking cool if they were made by a human, and they, all of them obviously absolutely could have been, right? So it's... Um, I, I definitely understand the skepticism and the... I think it's a really difficult subject, AI in general. It is. How to, yeah. like, what's acceptable? What can you do? And you mentioned the whole thing that you're not allowed to depict living people. Um, why is it okay to depict dead people in any sort of circumstance that you want with this AI? Like, or living artists versus dead artists or whatever. It's like, don't they still, like, even post-mortem, there's still, you know, rights and... There's obviously so relatives. I like, can't let's speak say, for let's how... Say a dead, let's say a dead person gets depicted in a way that they would not agree with, right, while being alive. Well, if they get depicted that way post-mortem, then they still have, like, families and friends, etc., that might see these fake images starting to circulate that tarnish the reputation of a dead person, right. and they feel wronged, you know? Like, that's also... So I haven't tried that's... anybody that's recently died, but my guess is that it's similar to any law where mm -hmm. like i think there's a certain point of time where it becomes <laughs> for some reason i want to say open source but it i forget the <laughs> name of it uh but there's public all, domain yeah public domain exactly it's like abraham lincoln obviously you can use mm -hmm. it's been long enough and if somebody has died recently they're going to have an estate and sometimes even if they've been dead for that long and they still have an estate it's still illegal to use their likeness which right. I assume translates directly to being able to use an AI, but I can't say for sure because I haven't really tried or looked into it. Like that, you can do Albert in, Einstein. That's not that right. long ago. And he that definitely in has turn makes it really difficult for the AI, right? Because then there's local regulations, like what are the laws in Denmark versus the US on how these can be used, right? Because mm -hmm. this tool will be available globally. So it's not as simple as, oh, these are the laws of the states that you're familiar with because, well, what is it in Denmark? And what if you're an American person making a depiction of a Danish person and the laws don't match or whatever? Like you, it's a fucking, it's Pandora's box you're opening with something. So that's like the thing and though. Like there, there's I so think many. The technology is... But it's just, it's also you difficult to just. You broke oh, up there. I, I, was, I was saying, I think the, the technology is so fucking cool and I love to see what it can do. And I think there's so much potential in AI. But I'm still one of the skeptics that is like, if this is not regulated correctly, this will cause major problems. So what do you and... think, like, go back to when the internet was first started up. Mm -hmm. We're having the same discussions. Go right. back even further, when personal computers come out, same discussion, especially with that one, because it's like, this is taking people's jobs as well, right? Mm -hmm. You can go back right. with any major invention and have this like this has happened so much like history repeats itself constantly mm -hmm. so i agree like the internet i guarantee you and i remember people having the same uh talks about how if it's unregulated like there's going to mm -hmm. be all these websites up that you can learn how to create a bomb you can create porn sites or whatever right but of course that's mm -hmm. still in, in existence and it's free now of course which is great um but it's the same deal but it's even deeper yeah. now because this AI, it encapsulate, encapsulates everything, right? It's not just one yes. area where like, I'm literally replacing Google at this point with ChatGPT. 
I can have him mm-hmm. create pictures now. And there's one that we didn't really, uh, I was going to mention is apparently Spotify is looking into potentially using AI to help translate podcasts. So we can have the Russian audience or whatever audience around the world listen to us. I don't know if it actually just uses different voices or what. <laughs> that sounds pretty I was just I was just thinking, imagine that it fucks up. Like in training, it just says the most <laughs> racist shit. shit. And that's just really comes back to haunt, you know, like in order to opt into something like that, I would need to have an extremely high amount of confidence in the quality of the trans. Translation, because language is really difficult, and yeah, it could just fuck up things. But yeah, is this my computer or your internet garbage? It might be my internet. Am I good now? Yeah, that's good. Okay, it might be me. Yeah, I was just gonna. I was gonna say like this whole skepticism about new technology. Like you said, it's nothing new. But just because the previous five examples ended up, I mean, society and the world always adjust, right? It's not like oh, AI is coming in, therefore we will all die. It's not. Like, that's not the level we're at here. It's just, just because previous examples ended up being fine, and you could debate whether, you know, you you mentioned the internet and what it did, right? Yes, it's brought a lot of good. It's definitely also brought a lot of bad, and a lot of the skeptics were right with what they were skeptical about. That Mm -hmm. is the reality now. We've just adjusted to that reality. Is the idea of that technology being a thing, overall, is it better for society, right? That is the question, right? And that... I mean, that's really difficult to quantify. Let's say the internet died right now and everything changed. Does that make the world better or worse? It's highly subjective. I, th- I think a lot of people would say, yes, it would make it better than people go out and meet and socialize and blah, blah, blah. And then the world is like this and that and you're not as much in front of the computer and it's healthier and whatnot. But, you know, obviously in terms of advancements in communication, education, you know, sharing of ideas, learning, joy, entertainment, fulfillment, the internet has brought a shitload of positives, but it's also brought negatives about, you know, allowing people with evil motives to meet up easier and organize stuff and be destructive. So it's, it's like both worlds benefit from this. And I think AI is going to be the exact same story in that regard. There's yep. a lot of positives that can come from this. The negatives will be empowered just as much as the positives are. And then it's a matter of, okay, how much harm can you do? Versus how much good you can do. I mean, the question and is, how much can you because, restrict new technology yeah. as well? Like, this thing is yep. growing ridiculously fast. Yep. Like, we were just talking about AI finally being a thing. Like, I know AI has been a thing for a long time, but like, it took a huge step, like, last year, was it, right? With DALI 2 mm-hmm. and yeah. ChatGPT. And with it's only been a year. And it's absurdly effective now. I'm actually finding uses for it on a daily basis. So, yep. Man, I'm excited, though. I know that there's when a lot you, of negatives with this, and I'm usually a negative piece of garbage, but this is really exciting for me. When you make stuff with Dolly, do you own it? I, I don't know. I know, like, let's, to my understanding... Let's say you made you can, some really cool art for a game or something. Could yeah. you just use it? Is it just yours? You so, just put in Dolly, and then you just get right, it. So Dolly 2, I remember specifically reading that it was mm-hmm. you could use it commercially if you wanted. Okay. That's so pretty I don't, crazy. I don't see why that would have changed with Dali 3, but I don't know right. if it's the same. But I assume it is. And I, is I guess as, as a final note on the whole, because this was an interesting like just overall topic of technology, right? With all the skepticism of previous technologies and their implementations and what ended up happening. Just because all the previous examples that you mentioned, whether it's 5 or 10 or whatever of technological advance, end up being a net positive, does not mean that the next one will be. Mm-hmm. I think... 
I think turning a blind eye and just having the perspective of, well, all the other times we had technological advance and people were skeptical, look what it turned out to be, it was great, does not justify taking any technology and being like, oh, it's technology, therefore it's good by default. Because then you could also be like, okay, why aren't we just cloning, right? Like that was a new technology that is so strongly regulated because yeah. of the implications it has. And for me, AI is kind of in that gray zone where it's like, it's not literally cloning, right? But I'm like, I could easily see this going in a direction that I think is very destructive. And that's worrying. But I think the, the, it's harder you know. to restrict that than it is cloning, though, right? Yes. That's part of what's scary about the technology. Because this is right? in the public domain that in some respects now, or very widely yes. accepted in some respect. The, the part of what makes this so scary is how easy it is. Right? That is, that, that is what is... Yeah, that's your internet. Definitely yours. Okay. Well, Definitely. that'll do. Okay. I love talking about this. The next time they I have some too. big update, really we'll talk about it again because this is a, an ever-growing uh, revolution. I don't know what you want to call it, but like I, the last time something like this happened, I feel like in my lifetime, it's like cell phones and internet and I guess the computer being like, I know yeah. these things were technically around for a long time in some respect prior, but when they became popular and it just exploded, those are mm -hmm. the three major things that I remember in my life that have affected me on a daily basis. And I, I feel like AI is the fourth one. So looking forward it's, to... Would you agree it feels like a different category somehow, though? It does. I mean, maybe, maybe that's just because we're older and now this well, is, you know... Yeah, no, it... it, it but they all this, connect to each other, right? They all yeah. use each other. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I love this shit. It's like really, really fascinating. Okay, I think that's it, Cinderin. That's really, it, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me, Cinderin, again for the yes. We Say Things podcast. Thanks to Jenkins for being our third member, silent member on the podcast, as usual. Uh, until are going to believe it at some point. <laughs> until he will believe it at some point. <laughs> I think he already does. Until next week, uh, Suns fan Cinderin signing out. Peace! Bye! Subscribe.